The kingdom was called Contrary. The castle was called Doubt. The twin giants who lived there were named Deceit and Despair. Every change in the weather brought rain and hope. And we welcome you to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Mike Each edition of Drive Back the Night, Ethan and I sit down and we discuss a particular episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. We pick it apart for things we like, things we didn't, things we can learn from it, and uh, things we can learn to not ever do again. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I like that. All right. Ethan, here we are. Shadows cast by a final salute. Do you know why this is especially significant? Does it have something to do with the word final being in this? You know what? It does. And in fact, you could even take that word final and fancy it up a little bit. Put an E on the end of it. Ooh, finale? Yeah, exactly. I think that's how the French pronounce it. That's right. So we are at a finale. Uh, A season finale in particular. Uh, Here we are. Already, the season three finale. I don't know. It seems like just yesterday we started season three discussion. It really does, but it was like two years ago. It was, I do believe. (laughs) All right. So, we've had a hard time getting through this season, um, and that's just because we've been busy. And so have our listeners. Yes. Yes, they have. Um, So, I tell you what. Why don't we just go ahead and get straight into it, Ethan? Uh, Do we have some... Some fun trivia and facts for we this episode. Do you have some trivia? Okay. You like? I yeah. Like, a little French accent. Yeah, there? just put a okay. little put an e on the end of whatever. Okay, it sounds great. I know. Yeah. Well, here we're going to do it again because in this episode it was directed by Jorge Montesi. Um, I don't think that works, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. Jorge Montesi is our director for this final. Uh, episode of season three and this episode was written by bob ingles now we have returning for this episode jr Bourne, and i looked it up and i still have not been able to determine if it's jason or not oh man so i'm i'm, I'm disappointed i don't have an answer yet on that but he returns as marshall ataturk for this episode and also we have returning sarah jane redmond as jane rollins we also get to see that uh, lieutenant bolus is still a member of the Andromeda crew. As uh, Paul Campbell returns for this episode, we last saw him on Point of the Spear, and this is his final appearance of the two that he has listed on IMDb. Finally, too many mistakes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, but we don't get a resolution as to how or why he leaves. Okay. So, Courtney Kramer, she is the head Nietzschean that we see in this episode. She had a remarkably short acting career beginning in 2001 with a role on the television series Seven Days, and in the couple of years following, she would appear on such shows as Smallville and The Dead Zone, and this role that she has here on Andromeda. In 2004, she had a starring role in a direct-to-DVD horror movie titled Shelf Life. And then, that's it. 2001 to 2004, and then her she ended her acting career. 
I think she went back to school, got her degree. It could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. Now, in this episode, Tyr has the line, you'd like an explanation. The universe is changing, and we're changing right along with it. Now, this is similar to a Latin medieval proverb that I'm going to try this uh, since I'm trying other languages this evening. Uh, it's uh, I'm going to butcher this probably, but tempora mutantur enos mutanmur in illis. I don't know how accurate that is or not. I'm not great on my Latin, but roughly translated, that is, the times are changed and we with them. Hmm. So, a Latin medieval proverb. I thought it was a Bob Dylan song. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Harper also says, so who gets to your stuff in this episode? Remember that, Ryan. Okay. Because we're going to get at least a partial answer to this in a future episode. Okay, good. So, maybe it wasn't such a stupid question then? No. Okay. No, in fact, it was not. And we'll revisit that at a later time. And that's all I've got for trivia. Okay. Well, uh, I don't have anything else to say other than great job on your trivia. Now, do you have a summary for this week? I do. All right. Well, let's have it. Dinner time on the Andromeda Ascendant, and the crew are enjoying what looks like strawberry Pop-Tarts. This repast interrupted by Minister of War Jane Rollins. Bad news, the Nietzscheans are seceding from the New Systems Commonwealth and are making a ruckus, attacking planets and drifts all around the Commonwealth. This update interrupted by an unscheduled cargo drop. Upon the cargo's inspection, poor Lieutenant Bolas is taken captive by a Nietzschean boarding party. Andromeda tries to contain them, but they are eerily familiar with the Andromeda systems and work their way to capturing Drago's bones. With some surreptitious help from Tyr... They get them aboard the Maru and escape to the Drago Kasov homeworld, Angus Redoubt. Andromeda is able to track the stolen Maru, and they arrive at Angus Redoubt and are promptly informed by Marshal Atatuk that Andromeda and her crew are now captives of the Drago Kasov. Faced with overwhelming Nietzschean forces, Dylan orders the ship to slip space. But the ship cannot jump, and it is soon discovered that the slipstream drive has been sabotaged. If they jump, they will survive but the resulting ejection of the slipstream core will destroy the Drago Kasov homeworld. Tyr makes his move and steals a slipfighter. He heads for the Kodiak Pride's home asteroid, now orbiting Angus Redoubt as a prize of the Drago Kasov. Dylan puts the scenario together and heads to the asteroid as well to confront Tyr. In the Kodiak's memorial chamber for Drago Musevni, Tyr lays bare his ambition to rule the Nietzschean people offering to Dylan that his ascension to power will ensure stability for the Commonwealth as well. All he needs to do is jump the ship to safety, and the Drago Kasov will be eliminated as a threat. Dylan cannot make that jump, and forces Tyr's hand. The two return to the Andromeda so that Tyr can make repairs. As those repairs are being made, the rest of the universe is going to heck in a handbasket as several opposing factions are using the distraction started by the Nietzscheans to create their own havoc. The Calderans, the Ogami, and even more arrive in system and begin decimating the Drago Katsov fleet and their planet. The Highguard fleet arrives as well and joins in the fight. Tyr finishes repairs and Andromeda prepares to join the fight as well. However, despite the joining of even more Commonwealth ships, the fleet is taking heavy losses, including the loss of 12 centuries, the Minister of War's own flagship. With the Commonwealth fleet shattered, Dylan has no choice but to flee the battle. 
Before jumping to Slipstream, Tyr and Dylan talk one last time. Dylan asks if they will be friends when next they meet. Tyr simply salutes, climbs into a Slipfighter, and flees the ship. Andromeda covers his escape and then jumps to Slipstream herself. The end. Very nice, Ethan. Very nice summary for this episode. Thank you. So, just a couple of things real quick. I just want to get this out of the way. We don't even have to talk about them, but I just want to mention it, okay? Um, So, I'm going to take away one for bad guys always miss in close quarters cliche, and I've been expecting you cliche. (laughs) Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Good call there. All right. So, early on... Walk through this with me, please. Yep, sure. Harper discovers something was done to the Slipstream core, right? Okay. But then, but then he gets zapped. Yeah. Remember that? It yep. knocked him out for... Okay. Yep. Then, when Andromeda tries to go to Slipstream in Drago Katsov's space, they discover that the Slipstream core is compromised. Didn't Harper already know that something was wrong with the Slipstream Core? I want to say his short-term memory was compromised. Okay, that is the only... Okay, I'm I'm glad you thought of it as well. Okay. Okay. I'm only just now thinking of it. Okay. As you say it, as yeah. you describe the situation, because I remembered these events, but I didn't put that together. So, But that's... Okay. With with very little time that, to come up with a better theory. That's, that ultimately is the only thing that I could come up with, and the fact that you jumped on it just mm-hmm. as quickly... I guess we have to accept that that's that's how it happened. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Because plot. Because plot. Okay. So you know what? I want to go ahead and stay with that scene there because I have a question. Um, at this point, Dylan has already um, I want to say dismissed himself, but he has he has bargained himself. Um, so Becca's in charge. When Harper goes there to check out what's going on, he says. Uh, hey boss. So there's a couple of things that come up here that I want to know. First of all, is he talking to Dylan, who he normally calls boss, or is he now calling Becca boss because she's in charge? I'm willing to accept either answer. Yeah. But what do you think? Uh, I assume Dylan. I assume Dylan. It usually, right? That's right. what it seems like. But Dylan is out of commission right now. Why is he going to be reporting back to Dylan if Dylan is, he's not in charge. He's not, he's, he's taking himself out of the loop. He but, can't. But don't we always have the situation where it's like a constant open comm link and everybody can hear what everybody else is saying regardless well, of where they're as long as you are, I don't think so. It's just when you're in the room with whoever is being talked at. Okay. Remind me again. Yep. Where was Dylan when he said this? He was, he was down. At with, the asteroid. No, 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 no. This was when he had just exchanged himself for Bulls and the other prisoners. Oh, okay. But he's on, on the on ship. Deck 15. Yeah, oh, he's still yeah, on the okay. ship. But that's what Harper says. He's like, hey, boss, right? So he's getting ready to say, hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. He can't say that to Dylan while he's down there in the midst of all of these Nietzscheans. Uh, unless are, there's an open comm link. Yeah. But... But I don't. I don't think he. Why, why would he do that? Because there's nothing Dylan can do about it. He needs to report this to Becca. True. Yeah. So, I think that he was talking to Dylan, but that doesn't work for me. So I'm going to say <laughs> that he was talking to Becca. Now that she's in charge, she is the de facto boss. Yeah. Right. I'm using my air quote fingers yes. here. Okay. She is. Hey, boss. Yeah. So that brings up another question. No one seems to know what has happened 
to Harper, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he's in there, and he says, hey, boss, and then it's the force lightning that comes from the console. <laughs> yes. Right? Which he screams. Yes. Like a little girl. Yes. Because that's what Harper would do. Well, that's what I would do, too. Sure. So, is he not still on the comm? <laughs> Did nobody hear him go, ah! Yeah. And, and that's nobody, a good point. And nobody says, and nobody says uh, Harper? You, <laughs> Everything you, all right down there? <laughs> you still good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I don't know. There were just some questions that I had. Right. More questions than answers. Yeah, I was hoping you would give me some more answers. I, I don't have. Okay. I don't have them. See, this is, you have these questions and you bring them up and I give you, boom, instant answer, right? Now, I have these questions and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Because plot. Oh, okay. You're right. Is that what you're looking for? I guess so. Okay, there, there we go. I guess so. That works for me. All right. Yeah. I really appreciated the little dialogue exchange that Tyr has with uh, Marshall Ataturk. Mm-hmm. Whenever uh, Tyr leaves to go to the Kodiak asteroid, mm-hmm. he says, uh, talking to Marshall Ataturk. Right, because he smarted off to him, and he's like, hey, yeah. well, why the Ataturk? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, he says, Tyr says to Ataturk, you are being obvious and foolish. And suspicious. And I figured he may as well just go ahead and throw in there. Might I add, you are also being annoying and unpleasant. And I am quite put out with your tomfoolery. <laughs> I would like to see Tyr say tomfoolery more often. That would be. I would like to see nice. everybody say tomfoolery more often. Let's a bring that one back. I've been trying. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll work with you. Okay. All right. You know what? Every time I do, though, people just see it as a bunch of shenanigans. At least we're trying. Right? Yeah. In fact, you could even say, we're efforting. Efforting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> efforting. That was a word. It, that it, was a word used in here. It, 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 it is, is it, though? I, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. I, I, I appreciated seeing it there. Yeah. So here's what I found out. Okay. So efforting could also mean trying, right? Putting forth effort. Uh, wow, using, look at you rolling using, out some trivia Using here. the word to define the word. Yeah. Um, interestingly, according to the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, um, efforting is defined in only one of the 1,061 dictionaries in the online, uh, in the onelook.com database of dictionaries. Hmm. That's an interesting little factoid there. Yeah. I did find another place where it was defined, though. Um, that is our good old friend, trusty, reliable... Merriam-Webster. No, Urban Dictionary. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a, according to Urban Dictionary. Okay, this should be interesting. <laughs> efforting is a made-up word used by TV news producers or assignment editors who should be mouth-punched, often used by people who think it's a more eloquent way of admitting fail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I, like, I, I appreciate the humor in that. Yeah, yeah. I still liked the fact that Andromeda used it. Yeah. In context. Okay. Yeah. So we've got uh, tomfoolery and efforting. And efforting. Okay. We we need to use those more in our daily conversations. All right. I like that. Harper says, you can't hide from Andromeda security cameras. Um, I beg to differ, <laughs> sir. I think we have already established on this show that, yes, you indeed can Hide from Andromeda security cameras. I think Tyr actually did hide from the security cameras when he was accused of uh, killing the. Uh, uh, oh yeah, the, the, the fish guy. The yeah, the, yeah. the PM. Yeah, the uh-huh. prime minister of uh, 
that the, place. Of the fish people. Of the fish people. Right. <laughs> but in, in any case, yes, yeah. you can hide from the cameras. Yeah, so... I'm with you there. That was that was my next point. I was going to say because Tears' excuse was uh, he was ambushed, right? Uh, my first thought was, really, where? Yeah, because <laughs> I think Andromeda is supposed to be watching all hallways, everywhere, every corridor, every room at all times. Um, missed that somewhere. Now we do sort of kind of have a way of working our way around this because Harper does go through the video archives and and tracks him down, you know, tracks him through the ship during these events, and even goes uh, to some footage from three years ago, and so that's kind of when everything comes together. My question, though, is all of this video is there readily on file. Why does Harper have to tap into it and tell Andromeda where to look? It's all right there. Is is Andromeda not able to monitor these things? Uh, okay. I actually appreciate this point. Okay. And you're, you're making the point for me. Okay. I appreciate it that Andromeda has these files. She keeps these files for at least three years, obviously, since mm-hmm. that's how far he went back. Uh, initially, I thought, well, isn't that kind of creepy that you have that complete record for such a long period of time of everything done on the ship? But the fact that Andromeda doesn't immediately report, oh, Tyr was not ambushed. Here's what he was doing, you know, and show it on screen. Mm -hmm. That proves to me that privacy is, in fact, respected on high guard ships. Okay, that's fine. Has Tyr done anything to deserve that privacy? Has he earned that? I mean... it seems not, like not in the least. It seems like that should be a subroutine <laughs> that Dylan would have written into Andromeda. Yeah. Hey, so keep these files. That's fine. Uh, one thing, as long as it's not endangering the ship, keep keep tabs it to yourself on tier at all times. <laughs> yeah. There you go. A, a separate subroutine. There. Yeah. yeah. A- at least you should be able just to have the ability to fact check, right? So she's standing there, right there on command with all of them when when Tyr says. I was ambushed. And she should what? just be able to be like, uh, let me check real quick. Yes or no. And this also fits in nicely with the with Rami, the, the ship made flesh, her ability to grab your hand and tell if you're lying or not. Mm-hmm. This is right in line with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just the ship responding to, hey, Tyr just told me he was ambushed. Is this a lie or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a lie. Yeah. I, I have video evidence to, to back that up. Right. If not, they should be able to, the ship or Rami herself should be able to monitor some of his vitals and say, wow, you're... His pupils just dilated. Yes. Your (laughs) pulse just spiked. Yes. What's going on? Let's check the archives. Right. Nope. Okay. I see that. Dumb little point, a little production thing, but I did find it interesting. There, when when Tyr is in the slip fighter... And he's talking on camera with uh, Angus Atatürk. At, yes, Atatürk, and he's Angus Young. No. Yes, that's what I kept wanting to say. No, <laughs> he's he's talking with Atatürk, right? So of course, Tyr is flying around. He's maneuvering. Yes. Okay. Who's holding the camera while he's flying around? Is what I want to know, <laughs> because you would think that this communications camera would be fixed somewhere in the cockpit on the dash yeah something something to that effect something that uh you know no matter where he turns or how he maneuvers it's going to stay in one place and keep 
tear Keep fixed framed. in the frame. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but no, it kind of seems to be swaying around <laughs> a little bit with the, the flow and the move of the ship. I Almost didn't like think about that. Almost like somebody's holding it in their hand. Yeah. And then, oh, inertia kind of pulls it, you know. <laughs> is it is it like on one of those those gooseneck type holders, you know, the flexi holders or... You know those the the cheap things that you buy in truck stops that hold your phone. No, I've never been to a truck stop. Oh, okay. Well, they they sell these things on these little arms, you know, and you you slide your phone into it. But mm-hmm. after after a few months of use, they they start to they start to droop. Yeah. Right. You know mm-hmm. the the resistance, whatever's in that arm, starts to wear out. Uh-huh. You know, that's probably what this is. Okay. It's just it's it's been in there for a few months. You uh-huh. know. And he's doing a lot of hard maneuvering. Yeah. It's just too much for that little arm to hold it. I see. Hold it steady. Okay. Now, see, that is an answer. Boom. I will accept that. Okay. Not because plot. Yeah. <laughs> or because cinematography. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Drago's resting place on the Kodiak asteroid. Okay. This is the progenitor of the Nietzschean race. Mm-hmm. Why is Gone it 30 <laughs> <laughs> you stole my thunder. Sorry, start it. No, no, go no, ahead, no. Joe. Let's go, go ahead, with go that. Oh, we can edit that. Go no, ahead. You, no, like, no. I like it. It was your. It joke. was a sauna, it was wasn't joke. it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. It was. That was. You know, they have all these amenities there for the actors, and you know, you go after you shoot. Hey, you know what we should shoot here? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but we need a set. Let's put a dead guy in there <laughs> and let him lie in state. Uh huh. And then when we need to, we'll move him out, and then we'll have a party. All right. Because you know how saunas are. No, I've never been in a sauna. Have you never been? Okay. I don't like humidity, no. It does bad things for my hair. I don't like sitting on wet things naked, so, yeah. There's that. There's that also. (laughs) All right. So, now, as you know, I like to say sometimes, it's just starting to get silly. Okay, so let's go ahead and rein it in. Let's uh, talk about some things. Maybe you're a little bit more on the uh, the serious note here. Uh, so some some things about this universe, about this world that we learn from this episode, or maybe some character stuff. Do you want to start us out? I honestly, I don't have a whole lot. Just a couple of points. Mm-hmm. Okay. But one of those would be so Tears game that he's playing here. Mm-hmm is to double-cross and destroy the Drago Kassov, right? Yep. And just to to briefly go over everything that has been going on, his pride, the Kodiak pride, was destroyed by the Drago Kassov, correct? Yes. And so this is his revenge for the destruction of his pride. Side effect, everyone that jumps into the system is using this as as their opportunity, to destroy the new system's Commonwealth fleet, mm-hmm. right? So now we're left in this position where now that Tears game is known, he's revealed it to Dylan. He has put it in motion, and it, the Drago Castoff are going to be destroyed. While on the one hand, we can feel good for Tear that he's finally gotten the revenge that he vowed all those many years ago. N- now the 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 knock on effect is everything that Dylan has built is now destroyed. So when Dylan asks Tyr at the end of this episode, are we going to meet as friends? I think that says something a lot about Dylan as a character in the fact that he can even ask that question. Because ultimately, Tyr has ruined everything that he's been working for. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess I, I don't know if that's just uh, something that we can discuss more or just that we can draw attention to. Yeah. But that was something that really struck me in this episode is that the uni- you know, Harper was absolutely right. The universe is coming apart. Everything that we've seen built for the last three years is now destroyed and laid waste. And tears just going to fly off and be with the sun. Mm-hmm. Good for him. But look at the ruin that he has left behind. I mean, this is... Uh, this is setting up for some interesting storytelling for another season if we get one. Yeah, you know, it because he did he did have that last moment there with Tear, and it seems like that's a moment where Dylan could have just pulled his force lance and blasted him. Um, yeah, of course he doesn't do that. Uh, then he allows. I'm I'm going to emphasize that he allows Tear to take a slip fighter and go because those slip even fighters covers him. Even has the Andromeda cover him. Right, I'm getting yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, that, that's the that's the next step, though, is that he he doesn't even have to let him get a, go get away at all. That's that's Dylan's slip fighter from Dylan's ship, so he could just have Andromeda lock all the bay doors. Right. True. I mean, it's true. People kind of just come and go as they please without them seeming to know. We've seen that for the last three years, but I think if if you I know, st- I still feel like they need to get a club for the U- Eureka Maru. Yeah. Um, but if you know what I'm talking about, the club, yeah, right? Okay. Right, yeah. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, but if you know, that's where he's going. That's what he's going to do. You could just say Andromeda lock the slip fighter bay. Nobody in or out. Or let him fly out and say Andromeda, that slip fighter initiate self-destruct. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but then, like you were saying, then they go so far as to not just letting him go, but they actually help him go. Uh, much to the chagrin of some of the other crew. Harper in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, even to me, in just in the sense that look at everything that Tyr has done in the last two episodes and how he's completely undermined everything, not to repeat everything that you just said to set this whole conversation up. But yeah, now everything that Dylan has worked for for the last three years is crumbling because of the actions of one very selfish Nietzschean who has betrayed the entire crew and the entire Commonwealth. Why do you cover him to let him go? It's a strange move that when I'm watching this episode, I'm thinking, why are you doing that, Dylan? Just yeah. let's let him get what he deserves. Because the question I'd like to ask you is this. In everything Tyr has done leading up to this moment, he has indicated that when it's not convenient for him to stay with Dylan any longer, he will do whatever it takes to separate himself. Right. In all of these things that he has done, and ultimately what he has done now here in this episode that we see come to fruition, is there anything redeeming about Tyrannosazi at this point? Not to me. Not in the way that he's done everything. I mean, it's it's all been Let me underhanded, you. backstabbing, and betrayal is everything that he's done in the last two episodes here. It, Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you like Tyrannosazi? Do you like his character? I do like his character. So, now that he's left, is this a good thing or a bad thing? How do you feel about it? No. I don't I don't like I don't like what's happening here. I don't like that Tyr is 
going out like this because he's been such a strong character, one who you know he's, as we like to say, marching to the beat of his own distant drum, um, and he's playing for Tyr, always. But you get the sense that throughout the last three seasons, he more and more seems to have been developing this relationship and this camaraderie with our crew, with Dylan and the others, and that his goal and their goal are are very closely related. And I I believe it was in an episode once when when Tyr said that. He said, our view of the universe is very similar. That's why I'm sticking with you. And Dylan asked him, well, what happens when they're not so similar? And I think Tyr's response is, well, that'll be a very interesting day. Right. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? You're paraphrasing. But yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, it's that very interesting day. So maybe we shouldn't have seen this as any kind of a surprise. Probably this is something that's been boiling and and ready to go for, well, apparently for the last three years. For the past three years. Since, ever since. So he, Tyr has always been hedging his bet on yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the other thing I wanted to ask you. So you don't like where this is leaving us with regard to Tyr. So is that why they wrote Dylan this way? So that there would be that opportunity to revisit Tyr and either redeem him or damn him <laughs> one way, one or the other. I don't, do you think this was done on purpose? You know, uh, the thing is we're not really given a reason and that's what's irritating is because oh, Dylan stated his reason, right? He's they, he said, cover him because what the hell? That was Dylan's quote. That's what he yeah. said. No, you're right. So you're right. he didn't really have like Harper could have said, uh, hey, boss, because, you know, he calls him boss and him exclusively. Hey, boss, why are we going to cover him? And then that would have been a good opportunity for Dylan to say, you know what? I think this is a good idea because plus. Right. That's a, that's a good point. And then I like that. And it doesn't have to be a big, long explanation or anything. It's just. Hey, this is maybe an idealistic thing, or maybe it's because he's our friend. Um, friend. Insert reason here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I, I like that. I okay. Like, that's a good point. But no, instead we just get, you know, b- because. Just, because just do plot. It. Right. And, but, but it doesn't even serve the plot, though. Right, right. I mean, if you want Tyr to get away, let him get away based on his own abilities. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be even more powerful if Tyr is able to get away because he's able to prove he is that valiant of a warrior and he's able to escape despite these insurmountable odds against him. But instead, he escapes because Dylan and the Andromeda... Makes it happen. Yeah. Or allow makes it so that it can happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so when they are, Ethan, when they are down there in the sauna on the asteroid. And basically Tyr is giving Dylan I don't want to say the ultimatum, but he's giving him his options. So here we have this situation here where they could go ahead and open a slip port and 
destroy the system, basically. Uh, but they get out. They'll be fine. Or they could stay there, and they're they're all going to die. Does Tyr not know Dylan at all? Because in what universe does he think that Dylan is going to make that decision to kill millions of other sentient beings just to save himself and his crew? There's no universe where that happens. I know. I, I had a hard time with this point. Because Tyr takes a slip fighter... And doesn't leave the system. Where does he go? To he the, goes yeah. to the asteroid mm-hmm. and awaits Dylan. Dylan walks by the, the doorway to the sauna and right. Tyr says, I expected you sooner. Right. As he if, turns in a swivel chair, stroking his cat. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was wearing the cat. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, um, But, yeah, I, I don't understand the point of this because Tyr's subterfuge of the slipstream core was so that they would jump and and that would destroy the system and then his his goal would be met mm-hmm. but if he's there on the asteroid waiting for dylan to show up then okay he knew that his ploy was not going to work and therefore dylan was going to come talk to him yeah but had it succeeded and they had jumped without knowing what the consequence was going to be until after it was already done, Tyr dies in the Drago Kasov system, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why this had to happen. Well, I mean, Tyr's the one that sabotaged everything, so he knows that they are going to find it. They tried to jump. Yes. And then because of what happened when they tried to jump, that's when they figured out, hey, cut it, investigate this. Oh, we got a problem here. So so was this tier set it up to do that, but he did it badly? Mm, that's a good question. Um, he, he didn't have the technical expertise to make it work right. I don't know. Or maybe if just if they're convinced to get out, they're going to ride it out. Yeah. Is that what's going on? Because they experience a turbulence and I'm a little I'm a little fuzzy on what happens as to why they aborted. But was it because of all of the turbulence and all of the arcing that was going on on the outside of the ship that uh they decided okay, let's cut this yeah, now. Yeah, shut it down. What's going on? And here? figure out what's going on. Yeah. And that's how they, whereas if they say, "Okay, now we know what's going on." Let's just go ahead and open the slip port anyway and get out of here because they can do that. But this was also a point for me I didn't understand. The whole problem here was that because of the way he sabotaged it, that if they opened up a slip port, it would eject the slip core and then there would be the big antimatter and antiproton probably uh, explosion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but if they eject the slip core, then how can they go into slipstream? Are we going to talk about slipstream now? <laughs> I don't think we need to talk about slipstream. This is just okay. a, a simple okay. mechanics of here. Here's the here's the the quick watching this at eleven thirty at night. This is how this works. Okay, it opens the slip port slip point. Yeah, they jump in. They start riding the rails. The course spits out. Okay. And stays behind, but since they're already on the rails, they just coast out a little ways and then drop into normal space. Okay, so then the slip core, do you only need that just to open the slip points? 
And then once it's open, you're in. Hey, did we just learn something about our universe? Maybe. Okay. I said we weren't going to talk about Slipstream, but, but here we I go. think we just did. I think we just, well, I think we just struck upon something. That is the core purpose of the slip core. Yeah, once you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. And and But as soon as you lose momentum, I guess it drops you back out in a normal space if you can't maintain the field. I don't know. What field? It's not warp. What are you talking about? <laughs> warp? What's war- what are we? What are you talking about? It's something I saw in another show. Okay. Time. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to talk about nope. that. Uh-uh. Uh, okay. So so fine. You ride the rails until something happens and you exit again. Well, but I mean, you don't have you, to have you, the in, core when you intuit your way out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. the The pilot decides I can't go any further, so drop me out of here. Yeah. Or <laughs> or I just don't right want to go any further. I mean. We're not talking about a, a, a maintaining the the slipstream because slipstream is just there, right? You're in. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like getting on a highway, you know. You once once you get on the highway, it doesn't matter if you have a gas tank or not. You just keep going. That doesn't work, does it? No. Hmm. As a matter of fact, that just recently happened to me. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. I did not run out of gas. Oh, okay. The fuel pump quit. Oh. Yeah, but it didn't magically drop me back out into a place that I wanted to be. Uh huh. I was stuck by the side of the road. Okay. So do you get stuck in slipstream? That's a good question. Hmm. That would be weird. We don't have an answer to that. Hitchhiking in the slipstream. Anyway, we're all, we're 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 going further down the rabbit hole. But I do like this idea of yeah. the slipstream core ejecting, being left behind. But you're in, mm-hmm. and you're you're carried safely away. Right now. You could be safe but stuck in slipstream. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least you're still alive. Mm-hmm. For argument's sake, I'm just going to say we get out. Okay. We're able to get out. Um, what does that say about the power in the slip core, though? Because it sounds to me like the slip core is just as powerful as, say, a Nova bomb. Well, you, you look at all the tendrils and stuff that shoots out of the ship whenever it opens mm-hmm. the portal up. It looks like a lot of energy at play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. if it can destroy a system, yeah, then, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just as powerful as, like, could they, or do they, I'm sure someone does, they weaponize these things. Kamikaze slipstream pilots? Maybe, but it doesn't really have to be kamikaze if you just say, okay, open the point and eject the core. Yeah. We're gone, the thing blows up, everyone in the system's dead, and we're gone. Improvised Nova bombs. Yeah. And then just slip to a point where you know you have a stockpile of of slip cores. (laughs) Or a tug waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. We should be taking over the Andromeda galaxy. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Hmm. My guess is that slip cores are probably pretty expensive, though. Probably so. Because there is money in this universe, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're using, um, not Quatloos. Gilders. Gilders. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, it's always back to Quatloos with me. <laughs> I can't keep Gilders straight. One last thing here about Tyr. We give him an opportunity to, uh, sort of in a roundabout way, say his goodbyes. Okay, so what did you think about Tyr's sort of efforts at sentimentality? His personal moments? Yeah. With the, the various crew? Yeah. Um... It definitely felt like I was getting hit over the head with the fact that this actor is not going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what kept ringing in my mind. Yeah. As for the moments themselves, 
I th- actually thought the best one was between Tyr and Harper. Really? I I because they were both able to smile at each other and and walk out of the room. Yeah. Uh, whereas when he left Becca, there was a definite wall mm-hmm. between them. Uh, didn't go that great. And between Tyr and Dylan, while I think that um, it was a nice, it was a neat exit for Tyr to just salute and then walk out of out of frame there. Okay. Um, I, I feel like Harper and Tyr had kind of the, the most, the, the, the neatest moment, in my opinion. So... I'm just going to go ahead and go through these one by one. Feel free to insert your comments as you see fit. Um, So the first one we have is Trance. And basically he's just walking by and she stops him and she has this parable that she wants to tell him. Um, His reaction to her is just very, by the end of that, uh, she kind of delivers her point and lets him know that, okay, you've made your bed now you got to sleep in it is kind of what i was getting from her whole little story here yeah um he just kind of puts his nose up in the air and walks away yeah uh i mean i think that's a reaction i think that we would expect from someone like tear in this situation where somebody tells them exactly what they think is perfectly blunt and honest with him Um, But it goes against his objective and what he's trying to accomplish right now, even though it possibly could have struck a nerve. uh, Because I think that was her intent, but he just walks away. Uh, I didn't really mind that one very much. I I, I had forgotten about the interaction with trance. Mm -hmm. And yeah, your assessment of it is is spot on. Where's the next one you're going to? Uh, Becca. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead with that one. All right. So Becca, let me know when you get to the, his exchange with Andromeda. Okay. I don't remember that one. Really? Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay. So so he has the exchange with Andromeda. Uh huh. Okay. And basically says everything that we came to an understanding of in our discussion last time. Uh huh. Because Tyr basically says, "I'm not going to miss my exchanges with you at all. You're not even alive." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. I very much am. Uh-huh. And I'm like. Wow, it's a, for a, we foreshadowed that little interchain, mm-hmm. that little discussion that you just had with Andromeda. Okay. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean that totally fits here and it fits Rami to try to try to talk to him, you know, like I guess that's what she's programmed to do, right? <laughs> yeah. So she's going to do that. Um so now uh next I want his his conversation with Becca. Um yeah, this does not end well. No. And no. as well it shouldn't have ended well. Because you know, there was always that sense throughout this, especially early on. I think we definitely got away from it here in the more recent episodes in this third season. But you always had this idea that there was some sort of like a sexual tension between these two. Yeah. And he almost admit really kind of admits to it. Yeah. That line about I sometimes almost wished that you were Nietzschean. Well, what do you mean by that, Tyr? I think we know what he means by that. Um, because we had the line very early in, in this series that he could never be involved with a human woman. Yeah. Um, but, hey, if she was Nietzschean, well, maybe. Too bad that hadn't right. happened. Yeah. No, not anytime soon. So, now, 
this this really is a betrayal on not just on a professional level but really a personal and emotional level uh, because I think there was always just that possibility of something there, even though they kept that at bay for the most part, except for the season premiere of uh, season three when they definitely got close, right? But uh, that that wasn't them. So y- yeah, it wasn't them. Except it, I mean, it was them, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. anyway, we don't. We you can go back and listen to that one. But that was like that was kind of how they really felt. And because of whatever this influence that they were under in that episode, they gave in to what they really felt. Uh, that's how I saw it at the time. And so, well, now they don't need to go back and listen to that episode. No, I saved them some time. Um, but I mean, how, how is tear supposed to come back from this with Becca? I mean, this is this is an extreme betrayal now, and he he gives her the whole "Hey, I wish I could explain." You know, he kind of has his head down with the whole "Aw shucks, girl" thing. You know, and I mean, she's not having any of it, and she shouldn't. You know, she's exactly right in how she feels about this. But all Tyr can come back to her with, even though he's able to stand up to Dylan and say, it's because of your Boy Scout idealism. This is always getting blah, 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 right? And he can just shrug off whatever Trance says. Now, when Becca's laying into him, he's just got his head down and saying, I, I wish I could explain to you. you. You can't understand. I just can't. And then she's gone. And so then Tyr walks off and he goes and does what does. He goes and does what he knows he has to do. Yeah. Um, based on, you know, what he, this path that he has set for himself. Very believable, in my opinion. Um, Harper. Harper has always been like that fly on the wall to tear. That his first chance, he's just, he's going to swat him. Yeah. It feels like. Um I appreciated what he said when when he says, you know, you made me laugh. And Harper says, I've never made you laugh. And Tyr says, well, maybe not on the outside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's what, I, yeah. I genuinely like that. I, I get that. Um, because Tyr, he's got to keep up this image. And if he's palling around and laughing with Harper, then, you know... It, it's, it's going to make him look, you know, like not such the the fearsome, tough Nietzschean. Yeah, Harper. I can't go around telling, making people think that I think Harper's funny. You know what? I I had I identified with Harper in that scene because I could always make the cool kids in school laugh. Mm-hmm. Maybe not out loud. <laughs> maybe not all the time. But I could make them laugh, and mm-hmm. that made me feel good. Yeah. And I feel like that was a nice moment for Harper to say. You know, you busted my chops a lot. You gave me a hard time. But deep down, you liked what I was doing. There we go. Yeah, but that's not how Harper saw it. It took Tear telling him, Hey, yeah, you 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 had an impact on me. You you did um complete me. <laughs> You did amuse me at times. Um, I mean, we think about their whole relationship, though, through this series. Did he not and, say complete? 
Did, he I, I don't know. I don't know. Did he they, not say that? I'm not okay. sure if he said. Okay. No, well, never sure. mind. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I'd have to go back and look at the transcript to be sure. But I mean, they did have a few moments through this series, like when they were on the Magog ship. You know. Yeah, you, that's the first one that came to my you mind. You felt like this was a time where they went through something together, and they came out the other side of that having a stronger sense of camaraderie based on serving together yeah. and surviving together. And and that's natural. You're going to have that a lot of times when people go through something like this. And even though they did go through that, I still, I've never really believed that Tyr had any amount of respect I shouldn't say respect, but definitely not any tolerance for 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 Harper. And so now what they we're here at this 11th hour of their relationship basically and and Harper is is pointing it all out to him. He's like you never respected me, you never liked me, you you tolerated me just because Dylan said you couldn't kill me, you know? And now Tear is saying, "Nah, hey, you're we're cool." And, you know, even kind of patting him on the head and scruffing up his hair a little bit. Um, and and they're walking out of that room together, still verbally jabbing at each other. Yeah. But, you know, then there's kind of the old sitcom kind of put his arm on him and they yeah. kind of have that little kind of half fake hug, you know. Um, I don't know. Not buying any of that. Really? No. And, okay. and I, well, that's, I know that you, I know that you enjoyed that moment between them. Um, I would have enjoyed it if I could have believed it. And that's my problem is that I just can't believe that they're going to have that moment together. I think that you talk about making the cool kids laugh. I think that from Harper's perspective, he would like to have felt like he made the cool kids laugh. You know, um, he's kind of the outsider, the the dorky one. And Tyr, I mean, he's as cool kid as they get. So to never have gotten anything like that from him before. And now here he has completely betrayed him. And now Tyr is saying to him, but I always liked you. I think Harper's going to be like, eh, no, you didn't. I don't, I don't believe you because yeah, but, look what but, you're doing but now. But you said at the outset, he was a fly to be swatted down. Yeah. And in this final moment where Tyr knows once he's done with this repair mm-hmm. of the sabotage, he's gone. This is it for him. Even in that moment, that would have been the opportunity to say, get out of here, kid. You bother me. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he did. And I feel like that is in keeping with what we've seen throughout the show. Many a time, Tyr has had the opportunity to swat Harper down. And he does, but not in such a way to completely push him away from from Tyr. Okay. And, and so this was just a, hey, you made me laugh on the inside. Fist bump, and they're out. Right. Peace. Okay. I, be- I believed it. Okay. I will give you that. If they were not in a situation where now everyone is being put at risk because Tyr has betrayed them. I don't think they're going to have that fist bump, pat on the back, little half hug, and a couple of jokes send away. The stakes are too high Okay, at this point. Because I'll, I'll he grant has, you that. I'll grant Tyr you that. has gone 
too far. Yes. Yes. There's, I don't care how cool kid he is. He messed with Harper's engines. Yeah. He needs to go see the principal. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes. I'll grant you that. It, it is a bit extreme. Okay. The situation. And so the, the reality of it, it stretches the reality of it just a little bit. I'll, I'll give you that. Sure. But I still like that they did it. Okay. Well, see, that's the thing. You you liked it because you're a viewer. And that's who they did this for. They did it for the viewers. And I'm a viewer, too. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, well, what, what's the difference here? Well, I didn't watch the episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I did. But, I mean, that's... This is this is for the viewer who is not going to sit there and watch this critically and, and take notes and then, years later. and then talk for it, talk about it for an hour on a podcast. Because who would do that? Nobody. No one's ever going to do that. Yeah, no. No. Um, yeah, okay. But just to sum the whole thing up, I don't know if you can do this without giving Tyr a moment with everybody. But then at the same time, I don't know if Tyr deserve. No, he doesn't. He doesn't deserve a moment with everybody. Nobody else should have put up with him trying to have a moment with them. It's just, look what you did. You're dismissed. Get out of my life forever. And we don't have to hug, you know? Uh, the whole thing with Tyr and Rami, I'm glad that you brought that up because I totally missed it. But that's the most realistic of them all. Uh, yeah, you're a I robot. Think, yeah. I don't care about you. You're a, a traitor. I don't care about you. Get off of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so basically, what you're saying is, um, that was the harshest interchange, and therefore the most realistic. Um. Yes, but there's a very, very, very close second with Becca. Um. Uh, yeah, and, no, that one and was to me, harsh it's the most realistic on Becca's side. Yeah, I still have reservations a little bit just about the idea of Tear. Well, no, T- Becca's the one that initiated the conversation. He was he yeah. was ready to just walk on by and yeah. go about his business. I'm sure because he was ashamed and felt guilt having to look her in the eyes on the Andromeda, and you know. S- having getting her ship stolen and betraying the whole commonwealth and everything that they've worked for together um yeah i don't think he wants to mess with her yeah but she's the one says hey get back here because we're going to have words and when i say we i mean me yeah all right i like that i buy that okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm All right. Um, okay, so I think that's probably enough about Tear for right now. Unless you have anything else? Nope, you're all out. You're dry. All right. So just real quick, we don't have to talk about this a lot because I know it's something that, especially throughout this third season, it's something that we've talked about quite a bit. But we kind of see it all come to a head here uh, in this finale. The state of the new system's commonwealth. Um, I guess, first of all, just the state of the system's commonwealth as regard to their attitude toward Dylan and the Andromeda, the sole individual responsible for the whole thing. And what we get here is just, hey, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. You guys are on your own. 
oh, everything is going down where you are. Cool. Can you handle it? Because we're busy, you know, and and then for some reason they decide, okay, now we're going to send the if I'm getting this right, the entire high guard fleet. The hold on the entire fleet. That's what it sounded like. Okay. All right. So we have all of these other species and other factions that are not aligned with the Commonwealth who are coming there to, well, we're not really sure. Are they going to fight against the Dragocatsoff too? Or what are they doing? And then the, let me get this straight, the entire Commonwealth fleet shows up and then that's when the party gets started. Yep. Everybody turns on the Commonwealth. First of all, has what has the Commonwealth done to to piss that many people off? I, I'm asking a question here. I don't know. Um, I think I feel like it was more like a feeding frenzy. Okay. That you know, most of those factions were attacking the Drago Kassov, right? Well, and then and then once that started to taper off, you know, their blood was up, and now the whole, the entire new systems Commonwealth fleet is there. Uh-huh. Oh. Let's just keep it going. Okay. And then it was just decimating the rest of it. So did the so did the origami and the who all who all was there? Were the Parians the, there? I'm sorry, who? The origami? Yeah, the origami. The or- oh, I God. mean they origami. were in it for a while, but they folded quick. So <laughs> Yes. So the Calderans. Calderans. The origami. Yeah. And others. Yes. All right. Um did they also bring their entire fleet? Enough. They okay. brought enough to overwhelm the new systems. All right. So how strong was the Commonwealth fleet to begin with? Uh, I don't know. It feels like we saw more ships on uh, point of the spear than we did. Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't the entire fleet. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I know they may have uh, been pressed on the budget okay. to show all the ships. Oh, okay. But yeah, we didn't get to they, see them, but they were all there. They were all there. Okay. Exactly. They were all there, and then they weren't. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And I think that's all we need to say about that. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's a little disappointing, don't you think? Yeah. That this is the high guard forces. If if there's these other forces that are able to jump into this system and then just kind of cause chaos, and but... They're all fighting independently of each other, not as a fleet. They're all just jumping in here because they see something's going on or they hear something's going on. Yeah. Um, and now the the High Guard, the Commonwealth's High Guard fleet jumps in, coordinated with an attack plan, ready to defend and fight. But they they just fold like origami. Yeah, and I, that, that's kind of what I was pointing out when I initially was talking about this at the beginning of the segment. Uh-huh. Um, Dylan has worked for this for three years, and then this is all it takes for it to all come crashing down. Right. And and be completely undone. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, we, we've talked a lot about, about it during this third season. Is this new system's Commonwealth worth the time that Dylan has put into it? I mean, let's just... Let's just think about this from a strategic point of view for a minute here. Did the Commonwealth know 
that all of these other outside factions were going to be there. I mean, it was kind of a surprise to them, too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. So they were expecting just to show up and they were going to be this, there was going to be this Drago Cats Off fleet. Yeah. Um, not the entire Nietzschean fleet, just the Drago Cats Off at this point, right? So why the need to send your entire fleet to take on one pride? Well, uh, okay. The Nietzscheans as a whole mm-hmm. were seceding. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. so they'd been dealing with the other areas where there was trouble. And I took it as they they were just assuming that it was all centered around the Draco Castle homeworld. So if they could go there, then you cut the head off the snake, and then you can deal with the rest of it. So that's why they centered their activity. At Drago, the Drago Castle homeworld. Okay, so all these other little fires that they're putting out everywhere, are they doing this as an entire fleet as well? And it's just kind of a convoy going from place to place because the the reports that Dylan keeps getting is, we're busy with other stuff, we'll get to you when we can. Yeah. So, first of all, is the Andromeda not part of the High Guard fleet? Because why was it not in on the party? I know. That's why the, weren't they invited? That's the eternal question that we've gone round and round with this entire season. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it seems and we've to me, never gotten an answer. It's, it's recall all forces. Let's group and now let's all go on this convoy and go system to system, putting out these Nietzsche and home fires. Right? Yeah. Okay. Let's call back to a season yeah. one episode there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, just just to restate it, just for the emphasis, Hold why on. was in Hold on. and not? Hey, let me ask you this. Yeah. Did Dylan file a report with the New Systems Commonwealth about what he did at Witchhead? I don't know. Let's say yes, he did. Okay. Therefore, that's why they leave him to handle it on his own. Because they figure he can take out an entire... If he can eliminate three quarters of the Nietzschean fleet on his own, he can figure something out. Yeah, but I mean, you have to have the perfect mixture of the gases and a nebula and a a perfectly formulated see-and-speak-speaking spell thing that Harper made. No, no. It's Dylan Hunt. Yeah? It's... Captain Dylan Hunt. Yes, whom they have no respect or regard for. Nevertheless, uh-huh. he can handle this on his own. All right. Until we decide, let's just go there and take care of the Drago Castle of Homeworld. Let's just go there and ruin everything. Exactly. Okay. Hold on. Before you start that, I'm going to pause this right quick. All right. All right. So we do have a quote for this episode. Excellent. So let's go ahead and and get to that here. Okay. So the quote is, the kingdom was called contrary. The castle was called doubt. The twin giants who lived there were named deceit and despair. Every change in the weather brought rain and hope. All right. So um that's kind of, you know, some interesting uh word art there to say the least. Uh we have the uh it kind of depends to me, it kind of depends on what exactly we're talking about here because it could be um big picture, it could be little picture. 
you know um the kingdom was called contrary are we talking about the commonwealth here or are we talking about uh the relationships that we have on the andromeda um or or my thought are we talking about Tyr himself yeah okay yeah all right um well let's explore this let's say we have uh let's say we're talking about the the shape of the universe right okay it's contrary um you have dylan's vision and you have tears vision which for such a long time have been a shared vision more or less and now they have suddenly become divergent uh it's very contrary the castle was called doubt uh what are we going to call the castle here um is the castle andromeda yeah i mean that's that's kind of home base for the whole thing the twin giants that's dylan and tear yeah for sure there's no question here um deceit and despair well i I wonder which one was deceit (laughs) right are you asking me seriously no 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 i'm not so i mean then there's also despair i mean we're we're given i think we're given to think that these are the twin giants and they are one and the other Um, well and and if I may, yeah, I almost see despair as something that you could attribute to Dylan right now, right now, yeah, because as we have talked about, everything that he has tried to build and all the trust that he has put in tear, all of those things have gone away now. Mm-hmm. What does that leave you with? A bit of despair, yeah. So it yeah. fits, sure. And and then in the end, he still tries to save him for why I don't know. Yeah, is it because of the just all of the uncertainty and just the the despair of the betrayal. Yeah. Um, and then we finish up with every change in the weather brought rain and hope. It kind of depends on how you look at this. So, Cause a lot of times I think of, uh, something bringing rain, rain, it makes things, it's dark. It's, it can be depressing. Uh, but at the same time, rain can be extremely refreshing, especially if you haven't had any in a while. And then that's where the hope comes. If you do have to go through whatever the storm is, at the end of it, if you survive that, oh, now you have everything is 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 lively and refreshed, and so something that's where the something hope, can grow now. Yeah, yeah, it's so where the hope comes from. Yeah. What exactly was the rain here, and what is the hope? Is everything that that tear has brought on here. Is that the rain? Okay. And then what is the hope that comes after that rain? I think we haven't seen it yet. Okay. Well, is that just what Dylan is also feeling in his despair for why he allows tear to go on? Is it because of that hope? I think we're going to have to wait like three and a half months Okay. For Dylan to sort out how he feels about all this that's gone down before he can make a plan of action. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, move on here to the final segment of our show. And this is where we we get down to the the nitty gritty here. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll put it to you first, Ethan. We have uh, shadows cast by a finale salute. Oh, final salute. What are your finale thought? What are your final thoughts on this episode? So this is the end of season three. 
And what do we have at the end of this season? Well, basically, we're back to, if we're going to continue forward, if we're going to get another season, well, we're starting the pilot for Andromeda 2.0. Because <laughs> we've torn it all down, we've lost another character. Is that anything like Harper 2.0? That's kind of a callback. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering if you might pick up, pick uh-huh. up on that. So, but yeah, so we're, we're starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because uh, what, where are they going to take this? So it, this episode leaves us with something interesting to think about going forward. While tearing things down in a series can be fun it does very much feel like this was this whole episode was Keith Hamilton Cobb being featured saying goodbye that's that's the impression that i kept getting throughout this episode and at this point the showrunners don't know if they're getting another season much less um what they're going to do with it if they do get one so i'm i like this episode if if I were watching this in first run, I would be really nervous after seeing shows like Firefly and, <laughs> and and seeing what's been done with studios. I would have been very nervous about this show going forward. So well, I don't think Firefly has happened yet. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's it's it was said and done. Two thousand one. Yeah, it wrapped up okay. in two thousand two and and was canceled after the first season. And so, if I were a, a fan of this show and we got to the end of this episode, I'd be nervous about whether or not I was going to get a fourth season and what they were that what they would be doing going forward. The fact that we do know that we have two other seasons makes this a better episode, I think. And so at the end of this, knowing we get to continue to have our discussions, Ryan, you and I, um, then I feel like that okay, this isn't this is interesting what they've done. I don't necessarily want to say I like it, but it definitely is set up something interesting going forward. And so I'm okay with this episode and I'm okay with it. Keith Hamilton Cobb being his swan song uh, as he exits the series. And I'm okay with, I'm okay with it. The previous episode, day of judgment, day of wrath. um, We came down on very opposite sides of this one. In fact, I was pretty hard on Day of Judgment, Day of Wrath, um, just because of where it left us from where it began. And I I didn't like the choices that were made uh, in, in writing this, and I didn't like where it left us as we come into this episode now. There were some things in here that I just didn't understand. Um, things I didn't understand, like the way Dylan reacted uh, to with allowing Tyr to just leave and go on his way and not just letting him leave, but actually help him escape. I don't understand why you do that. And it could be that Dylan has his reasons that we just don't know yet. Maybe that's going to come to light later. We, we just have to hope that that's the case. You mentioned Keith Hamilton Cobb's swan song and having his moments and his goodbyes with everybody. Uh, You know what? You can just, go back earlier in this podcast and listen to how I felt about all of that. Uh, some of them I liked, some of them I didn't. Overall, do I have a problem with that happening? Um, no, I don't think I have a problem with that happening. In fact, I think I may have even had a problem, possibly, if they didn't attempt 
to do anything like that. Tyr is a core character to the structure of this show. He is that source of internal conflict. And without Tyr, I think that, or someone like Tyr, but without Tyr, this series becomes very boring. And so it's too bad that for whatever reason, I'm sure we'll talk about this at a later date, um, Keith Hamilton Cobb uh, exits the show. Um, I'm sad about that, honestly. I like him as an actor. I like his character. I don't always like the way that they write his character, um, but that's not the actor's fault. I do feel that the vast majority of the time, even when he's given material that's not great, he still does it well. Um, so, yeah, on a personal note, I'm going to miss seeing Tyr Anasazi as being part of this show. Dylan has a line in here in this episode about, uh, to paraphrase, something about always trusting the wrong Nietzschean or something like that. Uh, because we saw it before with Geharis Rade very close to him, and look what he ended up doing for the cause of the rise of the Nietzscheans and to destroy the Commonwealth. And now here it has happened basically once again. He gets really close, even though there's tension, there's conflict, but he gets really close to Tyr. And Tyr betrays him. And so this really... This is going to affect Dylan. And he's been twice now betrayed by a Nietzschean whom he was very to whom he was very close. I don't see how he's ever going to be able to trust another Nietzschean. You know what? Uh, Prediction. He's never going to allow another Nietzschean on his ship ever again. I'll buy that. All right. I mean, why would he? Yeah, it's not going to make any sense. No, it's happened twice. Yeah. And the stakes are too high for him to do it again. Right. I mean, you know, fool him once. Shame on him. Yes. But, fool him uh, twice. Yeah. You can't, Shit. can't get fooled again. Yeah. All right. So we're having a little fun with that. And of course, you know, anytime we can expand our own knowledge personally, I think that's a good thing. So in this episode, it added to our vocabulary. Yes. We learned, that's a, good point. We learned a, a new that's word. That's a tick up in my department, in, in yeah. my view as well. So efforting. I guess what all this comes down to is here we ended the last episode with me really hating on... The reason I bring this up is because that's where we left off. Me, I was really hating on how they wrote Tears' character just completely out of the blue, having him do all this stuff that we... We knew, I think, that he was capable of, but I didn't. But we didn't know that he was quite this advanced in his plot, and they just throw it all us all at once. Didn't like that. Okay, so now we start this episode. Even though I didn't like that, here's where we are now. Okay, get over it, deal with it, uh, which I did. Here's where we are. So, Tyr has this whole thing now where he wants to get his revenge on the Drago cats off. He wants to unite the rest of the Nietzschean prides and shape the whole universe to his vision of what it should be. I hate all of that, but I don't hate all of that 
because I think it makes a bad episode. I hate all of that because I just don't like the decisions that Tyr is making. That doesn't mean that it's an episode that a person can't like. Because, you know, that's one of the things that makes things interesting is that our characters make decisions that we don't necessarily like. And if they did always make decisions that we liked, well, then there's really not any drama or conflict. So, yeah, I, I don't like what, what Tyr has done, but that's what had to happen. But it's made for decent entertainment. Well, I mean, that's what had to happen <laughs> for this episode now. Yeah. Um, we have to have him exit. Um, it's He leaves not on a good note. And quite frankly, I don't really see how we could expect him to leave on a good note. When we have seen what his personality, what his tendencies are over the last three seasons, he's he's always got, he's a Nietzschean, you know? It's like the Scorpion said, I'm a Scorpion, right? That's what he's going to do. He's going to be treacherous. He's going to betray. So it took three years, but we got it. Yep. And... To to that end, I reached out to uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf again recently. He was doing a, a Q and A. He does these on Twitter all the time, and so I reached out to him and asked just for confirmation because I had kind of forgotten uh, his outline for for the characters. And I asked, knowing that we were coming up on this episode, was it always your intention for Tear to betray the crew? And his short answer was yes. That that was always the intention. So even though Robert Hugh Wolf has been gone now for a year and a half from the production of the show, we've gotten the fulfillment of what he set out originally mm-hmm. uh, to, to put into play. So you may not like it, but it was going to happen. Right. Regardless of who told the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you say that you may not like it. You're saying that to me specifically. But and it's true. I don't like that. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it makes it a bad episode. I just don't like the decision that Tyr made. As opposed to last episode where I did not like the way it was written. I did not like Tyr's decision-making, and I also did not like the way they wrote him to make the decisions. You that's, don't that's have the to, difference. You don't have to justify your feelings. No. I, I, no, I do. No, you don't. Sure. Okay, fine, I don't. Now, let me explain to you why I feel that way. Oh, please. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to tell you why I feel that way. That's just how I feel. I know how you feel now. Now, Ethan, what I would like to know, and I think you know what's coming here. Okay. So there we go. We wrap it up here. So what I would like to know is, Ethan, next time we podcast together, are we going to be podcasting as friends or are we going to be podcasting as enemies? Why do you make it sound like that? Of course we're friends. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Hey, if somebody else wanted to reach out to us and let us know how they felt about this episode, about us being friends, or about any episode that we've done, hey, we're at the end of season three, so let us know anything that you uh, have thoughts about for the past three seasons, maybe even stuff that's going to be coming up in the next two seasons. We'd love to hear that, and maybe we could include that in our uh, our show when we get to that episode or those topics. Ethan, how could somebody 
get a hold of us if they wanted to do such a thing. Friends or frenemies can send that email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. They can also contact us or get a hold of us on the social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter using the handle at AndromedaPod. Uh, hey, you need to go back and listen to some episodes that maybe we've referenced or maybe something you missed or do some fact checking on some things that we said. Uh, you can check us out. We are on Podbean. We are andromedaseries.podbean.com and uh, we do have a tip jar there if you should feel so inclined uh, helps keep the show running and helps keeps us motivated quite honestly if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts be sure and leave a star rating or a review we would certainly appreciate that you can also catch us on Player FM and Spotify if those are your platforms of choice good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice for the opening quote of this week's episode once again. Uh, hey, you know what? This is a little different. This is the part where I usually say, and we hope you will join us back here next time as we discuss the episode. But I'm not going to do that. You know why? Why is that? Because this is a finale. And you know what we're going to do next time? With a little apostrophe at the end of that E? There could be. Okay. Not really apostrophe. I think it's it's an accent. It's an accent mark, yes. Is it the accent That's. Is that where the finale comes from? Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, we just don't have that on our keyboard. It is. I can't find it, though. I don't know how to access all of the the accent marks. So anyway, yeah. So next time you listen to us, if you even feel interested in listening to us after all this now... Uh, hey, and since I don't have a uh, an episode for next week to introduce, I'm just going to go ahead and end it right here. But we hope you'll join us back here next time for our Season 3 Wrap-Up Show. and work their way to capturing Drago's bones. With some serotipsha... Wow, that was bad. With some ser... It's in your head now. It is in my head. With some serotipsha... <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> What's the word? Surreptitious? Surreptitious. Mm-hmm. Surreptitious. Surreptitious. With some surreptitious help from Tyr, they get them aboard the Maru and escape to the Dragokasov homeworld.